welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 99 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 10th of February 2013, entitled The Glorious Church of Jesus Christ, Part 31. And the Bible reading is taken from Mark, Chapter 16, Verses 15 and 16. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. As I, uh, I don't want to say getting old, as I advance in years... I become more and more convinced of some things. And uh, I was sitting there at my, at my desk and I was trying to, uh, to to finish off some of the notes for the sermon for today, yesterday evening, and, and uh, you know, the thought came to me. You know, I just, I become more convinced all the time. I was about 15 years old when I preached my first sermon. That was a few moons ago. Um, but uh, in, in, in all these years, I'm convinced more than ever that if I live to be the oldest man that ever lived on this earth and was able to preach till the very end of it all, there's no way in the world that you'd ever get through this book that we have God's Word. It's just bottomless. You know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, you, you, you begin to, to try to grasp all that is there, and it's just, it's just absolutely amazing after all these years even that you look as you go there, there's always more. There's always more. There's always more. We, uh, I never really anticipated. I, I knew, as I said from the beginning, when we began this, uh, when we began this series some three years ago on contending for the faith and the fundamentals of that faith. And of course, as we've been trying to make our way through, and now for the last year, <laughs> we've been looking at the church. That's something that, that that one word alone, 114 times in the Word of God, there's just, there's so much there concerning the glorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And never comprehended that, uh, uh, though we said we weren't going to rush, that it, would, uh, that it would take so long to try to cover some of these things. Now, we've been looking for the past, what, about 12 weeks, I think it is, something like that on the operation of that New Testament church. And we began some weeks ago with the ministry of worship. In the last few weeks, we've been looking at the ministry of witness. Um, you know, the simple truth is, is that when we begin to look at all these things, the Bible instructs us. Worship isn't just what we want to do that we like, that we enjoy, that makes us feel good. It's worshiping God in the way that he is pleased with, that honors him. I've, I've said that I cannot overstate the importance of the ministry of witness. We've looked at so many things concerning this, but we said, first of all, that it was crucial. It's how the church began. <laughs> the gospel was preached on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people were saved. Peter was dragged before the Sanhedrin and he, he preached again there and 5,000 more men were saved, not counting how many men and women. And right through, we saw that not only was it crucial, not only is that the only way, we saw there that the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. There is no church without a witness. We saw that it's central to everything, all the various ministries going on in the church and, and many of them having so much importance. And yet, 
the witness was central to everything. They were being persecuted. They were being thrown in jail. Why? Simply because of standing up and being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. It came to the point where they were run out of Jerusalem. They were scattered abroad. And they went everywhere preaching the gospel. It was central to everything they were and everything that they did. We saw that it's commanded. It's commanded. Jesus commanded it, and Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's a bit hypocritical to sit back and say, I love the Lord, and not do what he says to do, which is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then we looked at the fact that it's compassionate. We looked at why Jesus came, why Jesus loved, why Jesus cared, why Jesus hurt deep within himself over the lost souls of this world. That for us as a church, if we really care, if we really care about this world like Jesus did, we will be a witness. And then we saw very simply that it is Christian. It is Christ-like. We take his name. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Everything that he did was for that purpose. It was planned before the foundation of the world. God loved us so much. Everything that Jesus came to do was to win the lost to Christ. That's why he's left us here. That's our purpose in being here. We said that would be best not to call ourselves a Christian if we're not going to be Christ-like. We're better off not to take his name if we aren't going to be that which he's asked us to be. And I said that in light of all of this, this being the case, and there are many other things we could have looked at, but that, that should be enough to at least remind us, show us, Literally, make it burn in our hearts the importance of the ministry of witness to the Christian, to the church that Jesus Christ has built, is building. That's why we're here. We said those things are really as important as we have seen them to be. Then there's a few things they require of us. Now, this is where sometimes... The preachers aren't the most popular people in the world. <laughs> if we believe what we've seen in God's Word, if we believe what we've looked at these weeks concerning this ministry of witness, then I say to you that there are some things that it's going to require of us. Put very simply, the first thing that it's going to require of you and I is that simple thing called commitment. <laughs> commitment. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16, I know. We've read that a few times, haven't we? <laughs> We're going to read it again this morning as we stand to honor the reading of God's holy word from Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. The word of God says this, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel 
to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for the wonderful privilege that we have of being in your house. Lord, for each one that you've given health and strength and a desire to be here this morning. Lord, we pray that as we stand here now and, Lord, take this time, this service that we're going to look into your word, we pray that you would be with us and meet with us, Lord, not because we can demand anything because of who we are, but because we as your children stand in such tremendous and great need today. Lord, without your touch, without your anointing, without your speaking to us, we will receive nothing worthwhile. And Lord, we recognize that if there are those here this morning that have never truly, genuinely been born again, then I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak to their heart and show them their need and that this would be the day, Lord, that they would experience that new life. And for every believer here today, Father, you're the one that knows each and every heart even better than we know our own hearts. Father, you know the needs of each one. And I pray that whatever that need is today, that through the power of your word and your spirit, that you would speak and meet those needs and help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, that as you speak to our hearts, that we would receive and respond in whatever way that we need to. And we'll give you the praise, the honor and the glory for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Now, I made the statement earlier that I was advancing in years, but not quite to the point that I can be an eyewitness to what I want to mention to you, but I've read it. It's supposed to be a fact of history. And I remind you this morning, a man by the name of Julius Caesar. And of course, Julius Caesar was a great conqueror, a great battler that, that went forth trying to, to conquer places. And he landed on the shores of Britain. And when he came, he came with all of his Roman legions that even today, there are some of the remnants left behind of that Roman Empire. But it's said that when he landed on the shores of Britain, that he took a very bold and a very decisive step to ensure the success of his military venture on this island. He ordered his men to march to the very edge of the cliffs of Dover, and as they looked out across the water, to their amazement, they saw every ship in which they'd crossed the channel in burning there in the water. They were engulfed in flames. Why? Because Julius Caesar had deliberately cut off any possibility of retreat. There was no way they could run. There was no way they could go the other way. The soldiers were unable to return to the continent. They had no choice if they were to survive, but to advance and to conquer, and that is exactly what they did. You see, they had a motivation, and the motivation that Caesar was trying to get from them was simply total commitment. <laughs> total commitment to what they were doing. Now, that's pretty committed to a cause. When you literally burn the bridges behind you completely, where there is no option but forward. And of course, 
that's a pretty unpopular thought many times in the secular world that we live in today, which one of his favorite words seems to be me, me, me. What's good for me? What I like. You see, the truth is this, folks. Everybody is committed to something. Everybody's committed to something. It really comes down to simply, what are you and I really committed to? What is important in our life? What is the thing that we will press forward no matter what? You see, God has a fair bit to say about that subject when we look into the Bible. And one thing is for certain that it will make all the difference in the world to a Christian's life and to the life of any church. Sadly, many of our commitments are just to the wrong things. Too many of our commitments are to the temporal things of this life. That in the end, folks, no matter how valuable that they seem right now, in the end, they will amount to one big fat zero, nothing, nothing. No matter what value man places on them right now, no matter how important they are to us right now, they will come to nothing. You see, there are a lot of things in life that are worth being committed to. There are a lot of things in life that God wants us to be committed to, and we can make lists of those things. But as we focus our attention today, from the things that we've seen thus far, considering this ministry of witness, it has got to go without saying that one of the things that God surely wants us to be committed to is the ministry of witness with all of our heart, with all of our being. That was why he came. That was why he existed. That's why he was here. That was his whole purpose in everything that he did while he was here upon this earth. We find that we need to be committed. Now, there are a number of things, but as we look at this ministry of witness, the first thing that we see in our reading for today the first word that he spoke was simply go, G-O, go ye. You see, we must be committed to going. We have to be. It's a, a word of action that speaks to every believer on the face of this earth and to every church that exists. It requires commitment. Go is an action. It doesn't happen by itself. We can sit there and we can know it. We can quote it. We can know it inside and out. We can know it in all the languages of the world. But unless we're committed enough to get up and do something about it, it'll never accomplish anything. Where are we to go? Go ye into all the world. We've read that so many times. That's not hard to understand. We find that he made that very, very clear indeed when, when he wrote it. And it's recorded for us in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. 
when he said, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the world. You see, he said, go. How? What options do we have to respond to what he said to us? Well, the simple truth is we don't have too many options. We've already said as we have looked thus far that we, we have the option to obey or disobey. You see, if we're really committed, if we will be committed to do what he says, to go into all the world. That's what it's going to require, folks. Nothing else will make it happen. Every church and every Christian can know it. But we've got to be committed to doing it, to going. The prophet Isaiah, in chapter 6, verse 8, you know, he heard similar words one day. The Lord spoke to him. It says, also, I heard the voice of the Lord say, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Who am I going to send and who will be willing to go? Now, folks, that's precisely what's happened in the New Testament. The command that's given to us in the commission is to you and I. Who am I going to send? I'm going to send my followers. I'm going to send my church. Go into all the world. Who will go for us? Then said I. Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. Folks, this is not rocket science. This is not hard to understand just hard to do. It's not hard to comprehend what God is asking of us here. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's not hard to comprehend, but the fact is that if that's going to happen, it's going to require commitment. It will never have an effect in your life unless you're willing to commit as the prophet Isaiah did, Lord, here am I, send me. Robert Reed, he spoke the words one day, he said, I have everything I need for joy. I have everything I need for joy. You say, well, what's so unusual about those words, preacher? Well, Robert Reed, if you saw him, his hands and his feet were twisted to the point that they were completely useless. He had no use of them whatsoever. Matter of fact, Robert Reed wasn't able to bathe himself. He couldn't feed himself. He couldn't brush his own teeth. He couldn't comb his hair. He couldn't even put on his own underwear. He had strips of 
Velcro across his clothing, his shirts to, to hold them together. His speech would drag and carry out kind of like one of these worn audio cassettes that start hanging and pulling and it just kind of draws the voice out. You see, Robert Reed had cerebral palsy. And yet he said, I have everything I need for joy. He couldn't drive a car. He couldn't ride a bike. He couldn't even go for a simple walk. But it didn't keep him from graduating from high school. It didn't keep him from attending Abilene Christian University where he graduated with a degree in Latin. Having cerebral palsy didn't keep him from teaching others at St. Louis Junior College. It didn't keep him from going overseas on at least five different mission trips to help others that were serving the Lord. As a matter of fact, none of these things kept Robert from becoming a missionary himself to the country of Portugal. Now you stop and think, now what in the world could a guy like that do? Well, in 1972, he moved to Lisbon. He rented a hotel room and he began to study Portuguese so that he could communicate with the people there. He found a kind restaurant owner that was willing to, uh, to feed him. After the rush hour and everybody else was gone, he would go around and the owner would feed him his meal. He found a tutor that would instruct him in the language of Portuguese. And after these things, this guy, this guy that was so crippled and so unable to do all these things, he stationed himself every day in a park where he simply handed out tracts, brochures, the gospel to anybody that would take one. In a period of about six years' time, he was privileged to lead something like 70 people to the Lord. <laughs> and one of those, by the name of Rosa, actually became his wife. <laughs> you see, there are excuses that abound. Every one of us can find all kinds of excuses why we can't do this and we can't do that and why God wouldn't want to do this, I'm saying to you today, Jesus committed everything to your salvation, that your sins could be forgiven, that you could have eternal life, that you could spend eternity with him in a place called heaven. Jesus committed it all. And Jesus has asked us to make that same commitment. Go ye. Who will go for us? Can we say as Robert Reed, here am I, Lord, send me. Sure, I could find all kinds of reasons why that I can't do that. 
But the simple truth is, is that the order is go. It's not go when it's convenient. Go if you can. Go if you think you can. It's go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The ministry of witness. It requires somebody to be committed. Committed to getting the message of the gospel to a lost and dying world. Somebody committed to go. Go where? To go outside their comfortable homes. To go outside the four walls of what we call the church. Sometimes to go outside that comfort zone where you feel comfortable. To go next door and to go across the street. To go on to those streets where the lost are and be willing to stand out there and to witness and to hand them a gospel track and to show them the way to eternal life. Many of them, nobody else will ever do it unless you and I are committed to be there. To go to the millions in this world not mere hundreds, not mere thousands, but millions that need to hear to go to the cities, to the jungles, to go to the deserts, or to go to the mountaintops. Folks, to go anywhere, anywhere on planet Earth, where men and women and boys and girls are lost and dropping into eternity every day with no hope of salvation because nobody has been committed enough to simply go to them and give them the gospel while we sit here in our comfortable homes, in our comfortable churches, in our comfortable lifestyles, they're dropping into eternity. Can we ask ourselves a simple question? Right now, today in my life, where, where do my commitments lie? What am I really committed to? You see, this is Jesus that's given us this simple message to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't say. He didn't say that you had to be able to prepare a sermon <laughs> He didn't say you had to be able to go to university. He didn't say you had to go to some Bible college that you had to have a, a degree in theology or anything else. Go and be a witness. Go. If God saved you, then you can show somebody else how to be saved. Go. Go proclaim that gospel message. That ministry of witness it is binding upon every believer, upon every church. And it requires us to go. You see, there is no question about the going. The only question we should be asking is, where do you want me, Lord? <laughs> do, do, do you want me on Ward End Road out here? Do you want me in the city center? 
Do you want me in, 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 in Walsall or in Litchfield or do you want me in Coventry or Nuneaton? Lord, where do you want me? Do you want me in Africa or South America? You see, there is no question. We, we need to get this in our heads. Whatever excuses, whatever reasons, there is none that will in any way remove us from the fact that we are to go with the gospel. We don't have to ask God if that's his will. We don't have to get down and pray about it. He's already told us it is his will. Everything that he's done, all that he's for, is being able to win the lost to Christ. And that's what he's asked of you, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The only question in any of our lives is where? Where am I to be that witness? Where do you want me, Lord? Because wherever you are, you're to be a witness. If he hasn't told you to go anywhere else, he's told you to be a witness right where you are, in your community, on your job, in your city. You know, any Christian that isn't going is a disobedient Christian. <laughs> you can't be walking in obedience to God and his word and not be a witness. The church that isn't going is by absolutely no stretch of the imagination a New Testament church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You might say, preacher, that's kind of strong, isn't it? I got news for you, folks. The Bible is a strong book, <laughs> the strongest that there is. And that's simply Bible. We're to speak the truth in love. It's only the truth that can set you free. You see, you see, if I if I sat here today and I could, I could pat you on the back and I could tell you, well, it's, it's okay. God understands. He wants everybody else to go. You don't really need to go because we understand your life is too busy. You've got too many more important things going on in your life to be worried about this. Folks, that's only going to put you in more bondage. It's only the truth that will set you free. I say to you with all the love of my heart, there is nothing in your life that is so important that it's worth somebody dying and going to hell for. It's not worth it. The simple truth is there is nothing in all this world. Get your head clear. Get it all out of there. There is no excuse for not going. Just figuring out where you're to go. You meet people every day. I know it's not always comfortable. I know it's not always easy, but it's still essential. The question isn't whether God wants you to go. It's just simply where. Are you willing to say as the prophet Isaiah, here am I, Lord. Send me. He said, go. Who's willing to go? Are we willing to say, here am I, Lord, just show me where you want me to be.
Well, where? Here or someplace else? How am I supposed to know that, Pastor? Well, first of all, he said that we're supposed to get both of them at the same time, Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the world, both all at the same time. But what about my physical presence? I mean, I can only be in one place at a time. Surely you know that. I know what I'm supposed to do. But I'm not really sure I know where God wants me in all this, where he wants to fit me in, how, how I'm supposed to be. Am I supposed to be doing this right here? Most definitely. There's nowhere that you can be on earth that doesn't need the gospel. Are you supposed to be doing it? Yes, you're supposed to be going with the gospel. Right here, no question about it. You see, but what if you say, well, you know, I could do it better there or it'd be so much easier there. Simple truth is this. If, if you're not witnessing where you are, in your neighborhood, school, job, what in the world makes you think that you would be a greater witness in Africa? <laughs> what makes you think you would be a better witness somewhere else if you're not being a witness where you are? You're kidding yourself, right? <laughs> that's, that's what that calls the heart being deceitful above all things. You're just, you're deceiving yourself. We're to be a witness right where you are right now. No question about it. In your life <laughs> and in the church that you're a part of, the simple truth is, does God want me somewhere else? Well, that would have to be said, maybe. Maybe. Um, have, have you actually asked him? <laughs> have you actually asked the Lord? Lord, where do you want to use my life? Or are you so busy making all your own plans and going your path that you're just waiting for him to knock you out of the way or something? Have you asked the Lord where he wants you to be? Where he might want to use your life? You see, the truth is this, maybe, just maybe, maybe before we start trying to figure out all the rest of it, maybe today, we just need some fresh commitments to the very first word in his command, and that's to go, to go. Maybe there are some things we need to figure out. Maybe there are some ways that we need to figure out how you and we as a church can be a better witness, a more effective witness. Maybe you do need to figure out. Maybe you need to get honest with God and say, Lord, I'm willing. Where do you want me? Just show me, and I'll be there. But you see, before we get to any of that, you need to be committed where you are. You need to throw out all those excuses, all those things that have been taking your commitment because they're so very important. They might be. I said there are many things that God wants us to be committed to, but there is nothing 
that we need to be more committed to than this ministry of witness of sharing Jesus Christ with the world because folks get it in our heads. Without him, nothing else matters. It doesn't make any difference. Commitment to go, to be a witness, to quit knowing about it, to quit pacifying ourselves, to just simply do what he told us to do. Lord, I know what I'm supposed to do. Help me to do it. Help me to do it. I'll commit myself to you. I'll commit myself to do what you've asked me to do wherever I am. Just show me, please. Show me, please, where you want to use me. Is it right here where I'm at in this local church? Is it somewhere else in this country or around the world? wherever you want me. Like the prophet Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. Folks, God needs your commitment. He's, he's promised to do it all, and we'll look at some other things that are required, but, but I'm just simply saying, first of all and foremost, the very first thing, he needs your commitment to go, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, truth is, is that you can't go everywhere. We'll look at some other ways that you can be involved in this. But today, I'm just going to leave that simple thought with you because I feel like that's what the Lord would have me to do. I feel like that it's not really a question here today of any other way that you can be involved in this ministry until we get this one right, until we get this commitment of all commitments right. We're committed. We're committed to go to everybody around us with the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we get that, Oh, there are many other ways the Lord can bless us and help us to accomplish this task. But it's going to begin in your heart, the same place. You see, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, everything he did, he did for you. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It starts in your heart, not in your brain, not in your knowledge. It starts in your heart. Sure, you have to know. Those words have to come in. But it begins in here. And the same thing with your service for him today. We can know it all up here. You know, I'm sure that you've heard before that a lot of people are going to miss heaven by a mere six inches from here to here. They know it all. They know all the facts. They know every truth of it. <laughs> they maybe even believe it. Yeah, what was it? The devils believed it and literally shook. <laughs> Have they acted upon it? Have you acted upon it? 
Why haven't you acted upon it if you haven't? I know you've got to swallow some pride. You've got to humble yourself and admit that you're a sinner and that you can't do anything about it. It doesn't matter that you love God. It doesn't matter that you have all these religious ideas in your head. The simple truth is unless you'll humble yourself and admit that you're a sinner and recognize it only because of what Jesus Christ did when he died and he shed his blood, that's the only way that you can get forgiveness. God will forgive you if you'll go to him on that basis alone. God, please forgive me because of what Jesus did for me. If you haven't done that, all the knowledge in the world of the Bible and religion is worthless. Only you can seek your own forgiveness. And Christians, around you, your family, your friends, your work colleagues, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to show you how your life, you're going to face God with your life one day. I'm, not, I'm simply giving you the word of God this morning. Jesus Christ came for the purpose to seek and to save that which was lost. He left us for that purpose. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There are a lot of things in life that are important, but none more important than that. Christian, how committed are you today to winning the lost to Christ? Regardless of your comfort zone, regardless of all your other things in life, how committed are you to that? Let me ask you this. Because he says that it's better not to make a vow than to make one and break it. <laughs> Maybe today you need to make a fresh commitment. But it needs to come from here. It needs to come from the heart. God's not asking anything unreasonable from you. You see, if we get these things already that we've already looked at, if we, if we understand the importance of it, if we care like he cares you know, maybe, maybe you need to pray and ask God to make you hurt a little bit, to make you feel for those that are lost. Maybe you don't have enough compassion. Maybe you don't hurt for them. Maybe you are too comfortable in the life that you're in. Maybe it needs to begin by feeling what Jesus feels for them. Maybe when you feel from your heart like he does, you'll be willing to commit to what he's asked. I want your life to count for more than anything in this world. I want you to know true joy. Just like Robert Reed. <laughs> may seem like to the world you've got nothing and you can't do anything. And yet, he said he had everything in life that he needed for real joy. You see, what we think makes us happy and what really makes us happy is so totally different. <laughs> and I'll guarantee you the devil will try to confuse you. He'll try to make you think that in order to be happy, you've got to do this and have this and go here and do this and do that. But in actual fact, what you really need to be happy is to have Jesus in your heart and for him to be in control. Let him do with your life what he wants. It'll be far, far, far greater than anything you can ever do with it. So today, today, I'm begging, I'm pleading with you. You want to know the real joy? You want to know your real purpose? Quit beating around the bush. We've seen the importance. I can't declare it. I can't declare it to the degree of importance that it really is as far as witnessing the gospel to the lost. But the truth is, what importance does it have in your life? And are you going to brush it off today? Are you going to say from your heart, Lord, 
I am here for you. Send me. Send me where you want. I know what I've got to do. You just point me in the direction you want me, and I will be your witness. I'm going to start witnessing right where I am, and I'm going to be your witness wherever you send me. Father, we thank you today, Lord, that as we look into your word, that we can see your commitment to us. (laughs) We can see how much you loved us. Lord, how could we ever fully understand and comprehend that? But, Lord, we've also seen over these recent weeks that, Lord, we should be caring like you cared. We should be loving like you love. We should have the compassion for those around us and hurting that you felt. Lord, we've seen simply from your word today that (laughs) this is going to require some commitment. It takes a lot more than just knowing it, just coming to church, just being religious, just thinking that somehow that We're doing all that we can do. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. Help us to get the folders, the blinds off of our eyes. Help us, Lord, to to see as you see, to feel as you feel. Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts here this morning. Help them to know and understand, Lord, that there was no more fulfilled life than Jesus Christ when he came to this earth. That same Jesus wants to live through each and every one of us and accomplish through us his work. What a privilege. Well, if there be someone here this morning that's never truly put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, please speak to their hearts and please help them to respond. Please help them, Lord, not to walk through those doors again, unsure. And Lord, I pray that within the individuals and for us, as a church body. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have the commitment that is needed, first of all and foremost, simply to go, to go, to go with the gospel. We give you the praise and thanks for that in Christ's name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to ask you first of all this morning, very simply, are you here this morning and you don't have that absolute certainty? I mean, right now, Right now, if you had to base your certainty of going into eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have anything in your mind or your heart that makes you uncertain about that, do you care enough that you'd slip your hand up and say, pray for me, Pastor, pray for me? I really I really don't know with 100% certainty, but I would sure appreciate your prayers. Anyone, anywhere, God bless his hand. Anyone else? You need to know that, folks. Don't be ashamed. Nobody looking around. It's not meant to to make anyone ashamed, but, well, you need to have that certainty. You need to know. The devil would love to just get you on some false, false hope, false trail. But you're here today. You say, preacher, I I, I may, I I may not be, I don't, I I just don't have that certainty. Would you pray for me? Anyone else? Maybe you're here today and maybe the Lord's spoken to your heart. Maybe he hasn't. Simple truth is, if the Lord's spoken to your heart, because it doesn't really do any any good for me to speak to it, and it doesn't really matter whether you like or dislike what I've said, but if God has spoken to your heart this morning, you need to respond. 
And if the Lord has spoken to your heart and said, Preacher, you know, I need a stronger commitment. First of all, just to go. I need a greater commitment to going. Would you lift your hand up and say, pray for me. Pray for me that I would have that greater commitment, that I would say as a prophet, here am I, send me. God sees your hands. God knows your heart. I said before, God sees your hands. Don't raise your hand if you don't mean it. Father, you know the hearts of each individual here this morning. You know precisely what's going on. And, Lord, I, I just pray. I feel like, Lord, that the simple thought that we've looked at this morning is of such great importance. That, Lord, I've probably failed you miserably in even trying to get that importance across. But, Lord, I pray that in spite of that, by the power of your Spirit, and, Lord, through the power of your Word, that you would speak to hearts that which it's impossible for me to speak. I pray that you'd help us to understand, Lord. We're not trying to make people's lives worse, miserable, more pressures, more burdens. But we're trying to set people free with the truth. We're trying to help us, Lord, that our lives and our church will count for what you want it to count for and not what we want it to count for. Lord, I pray that you'd help each one. You've seen the hands that were raised. It's in the hands of those that maybe have some kind of doubts. And, Lord, I just pray that you'd help them, Lord, to respond to that, not just to push it away. Lord, if the Holy Spirit has spoken that to their hearts, help them, Lord, to come during this time of invitation if they'd like to speak to someone or pray with someone. Help them, Lord, to see us before they leave this place today. And, Lord, for these that have lifted their hand for a greater degree of commitment to going, and I pray, Lord, that you know their hearts and you would help them, Lord, if they need to come to pray, if they'd like someone else to pray with them. Lord, if they want to make that commitment public for all to say, look, I'm committing myself to this. You help them to do and respond in whatever way that they need to this morning. Lord, as we sing the words to this great old hymn, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to sing from our hearts, to mean it from our hearts. And help us, Lord, to respond from our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.